I kill you, I am bound for hell. It is a price I shall gladly pay. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. It's time for another episode the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. Movie time. Movie episode. And this is our fantasy movie. Loosely. Let's say it's a fantasy. Would you call this a fantasy? Yeah. It's not sci-fi. We can just strike it's that even, off the list. It's even like medieval-ish. There's some horror elements. Before we started doing this podcast and I'd see those memes that were like, what is the difference between fantasy and horror and sci-fi? And I was always like, well, that's easy. It's easy to define. Until you actually have to define a movie as a fantasy movie. And you're like, oh, yeah, oh, mm, yeah. I don't yeah, know. when you get down to like, um, you know, what are the technical definitions of horror? Yeah. Almost like psychologically. what What's the technical definition of horror? What's the technical definition of fantasy? Usually it's like our world, but there's some thing that's fundamentally different. Like yeah. there's magic or whatever. In this case, there's literal demons yeah. that can come out and get you. Yeah, and hell and God and the devil are all very, very real. And present and tangible. Yes. Um, which I always like. Which the- sci-fi is actually a kind of fantasy. It's space Where fantasy. it's usually, technologically, there's something fundamentally different in the world. Right. But or gonna- some physics law or something is different. I was going to say I like the um, the thing from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with the babblefish, where the babblefish is so perfectly adapted for what it needs to do that it's evidence that God created it, that it, like a divine being had to have created it. And because, Explicitly for that purpose. And because God is based on faith, and faith is belief in something that you don't have any evidence of, if the babelfish is evidence of God, then God ceases to exist. In a puff of logic. <laughs> and then um, horror is the experience of being disconnected yes. from the world. Feeling out of step with reality. Yeah. Or with what you assumed reality was. Right. Yeah. Well, it's a fantasy. It's a, I don't know, late 1700s kind of pilgrim superhero fantasy. Yeah. He's yeah, a, a Puritan. He's a Puritan superhero. Yeah. Right. He doesn't start that way. How effective of a conversion experience was it to literally be faced with a demon coming to collect your soul for Satan? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, but before we get into that, hi, I'm Rachel. (laughs) And I'm Matt. Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club.
Yeah, there's not a whole lot of mystery as to whether or not God and the devil exist in Solomon Cain's world. Right. Because and what is the what is the actual fate of your eternal soul? Right, he knows because the devil's reaper showed up and was like, "You coming with me, son?" And he was like, Psh, "No way. I'm going with God." And he's like, "Yeah, right. Call God, see what happens." So I think this entire movie experience is enhanced when you think of it as a video game. Yes. Yeah, you mentioned that when you were looking at uh, reviews of the movie. Yeah, somebody described the plot as video game-like, and I was like, no, that's... Right, and as we watched it... We're like, holy shit, this is a video game. It's basically like watching a Twitch stream of somebody doing a direct playthrough of a video game with one side quest. And I like to think we liked this movie. I enjoyed this movie. Yeah, it was a good movie. Yeah, it wasn't one of those movies where you're like, oh, that changed my life. Fuck, that was amazing. It was like, oh, I was really entertained for an hour and a half. I enjoy I enjoy Pete Postlethwaite and anything, so sold already. Yes. James Purifoy was pretty good. He's always an odd choice. I don't know. He's one of those actors that you're like, yeah, they're great. They're good. I'm glad they're in stuff. But why, though? <laughs> he's not bulky like an action star. He's not super handsome. I mean, he's not bad looking, but he's not. He doesn't have main character he's vibes. Not, yeah, he doesn't have main character vibes. And yet he's always cast. Not always, but he is frequently cast as a main character. And it's just interesting. He's in Knight's Tale, which is what we remembered him from. Right. And, of course, it's one of my favorite movies, so I was happy to see him again. And he does a good job in this. He's got to be an action star. Uh, Like a reluctant action star. Yeah. And it works. It works in a campy, over-the-top, good is good, bad is bad, the evil guys are super easy to are super easy to identify. Good guys are super easy to identify. They're great, easy, not required a lot of right. thought. There's no burden of uh, detangling the evil guys' motives because they're mixed with uh, some like twisted desire to do good in the world. Yeah, and. And some type of compromise with no, it's not you know, a, a gray, shortcut or whatever. No there's gray no, villains. There's no gray villains no, here. All of no. the bad guys are super bad. Um, demon possessed. Hold on, what was this in? Oh, um, in Wisdom of the Crocodiles, one of uh, Stephen Grolsch's lines. Yeah. Went so he has the line where he's talking to um Healy Healy, the older talking about talking about good and evil, yeah. The line that separates good and evil runs through every human heart, right? And uh, he says everyone kind of wants or expects evil people to be off somewhere else. Doing evil things. Doing evil things with, like, hearts filled with malice and whatever. And then later, uh, when he's on the roof, he says, 
whatever uh whatever my flaws are malice, malice is not one of them yeah and in this case in solomon cain literally all the evil guys are motivated by malice yeah all they want to do is cause hurt and pain and damage in the world yeah Yep. Because they're all basically demons. Yeah. Uh possessing human bodies and they were they've been excluded from the the mortal plane, the material plane, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and they resent it and they just want to destroy it and burn it all down. Yeah, and they don't have clear motivations. Nobody has clear motivations in this movie. We don't even know really why they're doing what they're doing. I mean, ostensibly it's to take over part of England and to be an evil ruler, I guess. But a lot of you find out through the course of the movie that all of these machinations that are occurring are to bring Solomon Cain back home. Had they never brought Solomon Cain back home, they never would have been defeated I guess it's because the devil wants him. But, I mean, if you wait long enough, the devil's going to get him. And the right. devil's got plenty of time. Why risk it? Just for the... Well, that may have been a secondary... For the flare. Okay, so the the main possessed guy yeah. was Solomon Cain's brother. Right. And Ooh, so, spoiler alert, everybody. Spoiler alert. Hope you watched the movie. Leatherface is yeah. <laughs> Solomon Kane's brother. Which I called 25 minutes into the movie. And so whatever like way. evil force is uh, infecting his mind, the the human motivations still probably leak through. And so the evil's motivation maybe just dominion on earth whatever but leaking through is this powerful emotional desire to get back at solomon kane yeah and so that's fair the they can't really disambiguate their own you know evil intentions from the strong negative emotional convictions of the host and so everything just gets mixed together. And, oh, you know, I'm establishing dominion on this part of the earth, but I'm also working really fucking hard to get Solomon Cain. Yeah. And yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm just going to be able to kill him because he's one man and I'm many. Yep. Yeah. So like any good video game, this starts with an origin story. And Solomon Cain is breaking into somewhere. Where they speak Arabic. I don't know that we cover exactly where. Uh, the stuff I read is North Africa. Okay. Well, he's heading in to find a room full of gold, supposedly. He's treasure hunting. He's treasure hunting. He's kind he's, of a pirate. He's ransacking this palace, this castle. Yeah. For treasure. For reasons. Him and it's his fine. Group of it's so we can warriors. start the video game off with a nice cutscene that's got lots of explosions in it. Because yeah. he walks up to a door and it just explodes. Which Matt asked, How did he explode the door? And my response was just big dick energy. He just <laughs> exploded the fucking door and then he walked through it with his two swords on his shoulders. 
feeling, feeling himself, feeling the vibe of the moment, walking through. And yeah, we get into this. Some There's something with mirrors and sorcery, which we never really explore because they walk into this room full of mirrors. There's probably a lot more. So this is all based on a series of comics, which yeah. I looked it up. I thought, oh, it's like some graphic novel or something. But no, the guy wrote them in the 1920s. Holy crap sticks. Uh, and it was comic books, like old school comic books. Yeah. And it's been adapted like or re- revived multiple times. But it has a fairly strong following. And so there's probably a lot more depth to the mechanics of the world and the mythology around what's going on yeah uh, in the comics that they don't really have time to go into in the movie that's fair because we see the these kind of creepy demons which they look like the demons from constantine yeah from when he actually sees hell and they're kind of going up to the surface of the mirror and then disappearing and touching into the mirror. it, yeah, and like they're stuck behind it. And so his men are getting understandably freaked out because a couple of them get snatched into the mirrors. And so the one guy tries to run away, and he actually shoots his own man. Yeah, he shoots his own guy in the back. Yeah, and then he's like, "I'm the devil here. I am the only devil here. I yeah, I'm the only devil here. Look at me, look at me. I'm because the devil now. Solomon Kane's a bad guy." Yeah, he doesn't know he's a bad guy, but he's the bad guy, right? right. He killed. He's a bunch so of- deep into his own mythology, persona, yeah. His own per- the story that he's telling himself about himself, yeah, is this is who he has to be. This is the right thing to do, right? And the proper way to motivate his people is fear. So anyway, gets- literally, all of his people die, yeah, either by the mirror demons or by his own hand. And he gets into this room, this room full of this treasure room, and I guess. a pile of gold. And this is a half-ass pile of gold, right? right. I'm not alone in this. This is a half-ass pile Unless it's like a hole in the ground. It's like a, it's not a pile. That's generous. It's a, a scattering. It's a, <laughs> a, t- a touch of gold. There's like. It's I, making a mountain out of a molehill. I guess. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> It's not, and he walks in and he's like, yes, we found the treasure room, men. We can all have a coin. I don't know. <laughs> um, and the door shuts behind him, and he hears all of his men being killed outside. And he's like, well, more gold for me. But then all these shadows start coming and swirling around him. And this really felt like the end scene from Highlander when he gets the yeah. thing. Yeah. Or um, like the, the Final Fantasy VII remake. Oh, yeah. There's the all those um, memory spirits. Yeah. yeah. That is very similar. But it ends up flowing into this throne and forming a creature, a hooded creature. A legitimately like intense, creepy creature. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. And this is the Devil's Reaper. And this is the part where he's like, I've come for your soul, Solomon Cain. And Solomon's like, Psh, can't have my soul. I did the thing where I asked God to be my Lord and Savior, and so that's it. I'm good. Get out of hell free. I'm saved. I'm saved for good. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and the devil is like, okay, well. Um, the devil will have his due. 
No. You've lived your life of murder uh, and greed, and your soul belongs to Satan. Right. And Solomon's like, I never bargained. I didn't bargain my soul away. And the demon's like, well, a bargain was made, whether you made it or not. And now I've come to collect. The devil will have his due. That's exactly what he says. Yeah. And Solomon's like, great, hold that thought. And then he just jumps out the fucking window. He's like, <laughs> Which <"Yay!"> luckily <laughs> is right on the coast. <laughs> Like, I would rather die a rocky death than be taken by you. And so he leaps out the window and he falls Lands in, in the, the water. water. Yeah. So he gets away. And then we cut to a year later. He's at a monastery. Yeah, he's at a monastery. So we've, we've finished our opening sequence for the video game, your hook, your video game hook. And now we're one year later. And this is the part where you are allowed to move around and learn the movement mechanics. <laughs> It's like, okay, press X to get out of bed or press X to interact with whatever. Open the door. Open the door. Yeah. yeah. And he's spent his time here, apparently, um, moping, working out, and decorating himself. Decorating himself. Yes. Uh, to put it mildly. he has a lot of um, symbols meant to repel the devil that he has either inked or carved or burned into his own skin. Christian symbology. Which is real, real rich, because later he meets an ac- a woman who, a healer, like a yeah. pagan healer, and he's like, get your pagan magic away from me. Like, okay, well, says the man <laughs> with demon-repelling tattoos and scars and brands covering his body. And here's where, yeah, so here's the part where you actually get to start moving him around. Like you find, oh, um, you get to do a couple of things and then you meet the leader of the monastery. And he's like, listen, I've had a dream. You got to go. You got to go. And Solomon is like, oh, I don't want to (laughs) go. And he's like, no, no, God told me. He told me you got to go now. You've been living here for a year for free. Honestly, nobody wants to take care of you anymore. You're kind of weird and you're scaring the new I guys. I can feel a dark cloud settling over this place. Yeah, you you, you got you got to go. Yeah. And Solomon's like, okay, well, I'm not leaving. And he's like, well, you're leaving voluntarily or involuntarily? It's like when the kids don't want to do something and you're like, well, you can do it or I can do it for you. Which one would you prefer? You can leave or I can leave you. Like you leave. And so he does. He leaves. He gets a couple of rags together. And he, and well, he tells stick. him he has to go home. Yeah. He says God wants him to head home. And Solomon's like, you know what? I'd rather, um, you know, home's not a good place for me. It's just not, I've just never felt, it's not my vibe. <laughs> I'm not receiving this. <laughs> I'm not receiving that criticism right now. And the monk guy is like, um, Okay, well, whatever. Again, God told me you got to go. And he's like, well, God kind of, I'm kind of, uh, we're on the outs. But, okay, I'll leave and I'll just meander and I'll just see what what happens, okay? And so he gets a stick and a bag and he leaves. And this is the part in the video game where you have to, like, find wood. Find four sticks that you can start your fire. Right. (laughs) Catch something to eat. He gets attacked. By some mercenaries who mock his pacifism. Yeah, because he's renounced violence. Yes. Yeah, he was a creature of violence, and it led him to almost being taken by the devil. So he's like, well, clearly, I got to do a 180, 
and do the opposite of that. So I'm not going to harm anyone ever. Right. And just like anything in life, one extreme is not healthy. The other extreme is not healthy. Not great. There's a golden mean that moves in between the two extremes, depending on the context. That's the right way to exercise that particular behavior. He finds it. And he finds it. Yeah, he can indulge in his but desire he's, for wanted violence. He's back to the opposite extreme, and this yeah. is him at peak pacifist. He, yeah, and definitely to and the he's, point he's where he's got to swing back. He almost allows himself to be killed. Yes, because these people rob him, hit him over the head. Oh, he he definitely like surrenders himself. They had him. Yeah. They could have killed him if they wanted to. Right. The only reason he ends up surviving is because these bad guys, they weren't completely bad guys. Well, they knocked him out. Maybe they thought he was dead or that he was going to die. Uh, No, they probably, I get the feeling they were only trying to knock him out. They weren't, they don't want to really kill anybody. They just want money and stuff. It's a vehicle for another flashback because we get to see young Solomon Kane at his home. And we find out that he is the second son. And his dad was like, I want you to go join the church. And Solomon. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You are going to join the church. Yeah. I already called them. They're here to pick you up. You just need to go with them right now. And Solomon says, you know what? Actually, I'd rather not. And his dad the was like. The same thing he does with the devil's reaper. Yeah. He's like, you know what? Actually, yeet. Just bye, leave. Felicia. Bye. He just leaves, and his dad is like, "Well, I'm gonna cut you off. You're gonna be. You're gonna have nothing. It's all gonna be gone. You can never come back." And Solomon's like, "Deal. That is a risk worth taking." And he just leaves. Still better than going into the church. And as he's leaving, he meets his dickhead brother, who is trying to rape a woman on the yeah. side of the cliff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Anyway, so we were talking about that in a meeting at work. Uh, They're talking about some anime, whatever. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, like sexual assault is like a cheap source of conflict." Yeah, it's it's done. I mean, you know, we don't need to keep perpetuating it, right? Okay, but there's lots of other ways to generate to tell me that this is a bad guy, right? Yeah, they they can do lots of different stuff. We don't we don't have to keep coming back to this. Over and over and over again. Right. And Solomon confronts him and ends up accidentally pushing him off the side of a cliff. And then we leave it. That's where we leave it. Yep. And that is a defining moment in Solomon's life. And he comes back to himself. And he is not alone anymore. He is in the back of a wagon with a Puritan family. That he had met earlier. And they'd offered him a ride, and he was like, nah. I'm good. Like, you don't want me in you, here with you. You don't know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> and the dad is Pete Postlethwaite, and the mom is the Boar Queen. So it's pretty there good. You have it. Pretty good lineage, I guess. Yeah. Um, and there's a little bit of a... Um, I, I couldn't tell what vibe we were trying to strike, what what tone we were trying to strike. Like between, hero worship? 
between Solomon and Meredith, their oldest daughter? I think she was like, oh, here's a like good-looking, strong like guy who could defend himself ostensibly. You know, he he yeah. looks like he could defend himself, uh, who's in close proximity to me uh, as a person who's led a sheltered life. That's a very attractive combo, right? Yeah. It's easy to generate like tension from that. And he's like, no. <laughs> I'm just glad we didn't go romantic with that because it would have felt really strange. I think it ends up coming off as like big brother, yes. little sister. Yeah. he He's projecting a lot of big brother energy um, and... And there's the whole angle where he's by uh, recovering her as like a symbol of innocence yeah. in the movie. He's redeeming himself. Redeeming his own innocence. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Because we get our long montage, which we just had the two training sequences where you learned how to move and you learned you couldn't learn how to do combat yet because he's still a pacifist. But we've gotten down most of the mechanics in the video game. And now we get our long montage of him getting better while he travels with this Puritan family. To the point that they give you the outfit that you're wearing on the cover of the video game. Yep. Yep. So you've been in your early game clothes. And now she's like, hey, I made you an outfit. You want to put it on? And it's the iconic. And then screen goes black. Clothes changing noises. <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> when you come back, you're buttoning your vest and it's like yep. a leather vest and long black pants and, and, and the wide brimmed Puritan, yeah, Puritan hat, which is close, close to what you're wearing. You're missing one element, but don't worry, you're going to get it. And then we get our long, this is, we get the sequence with the burned out town, which this movie is fairly long, but very little things actually happen. We spend a lot of time in each situation. Um, but we go to the burned out town with the Puritan family. And this is that part in the video game that you dread every time you replay it because you've got to find like five things and they're really obnoxious and they're always. Right, so you end up just wandering back and forth across the town. It's like, <laughs> I've gone everywhere like three times and I haven't been able to trigger the, the plot. Advancement. Yeah, it ends up being there's this tiny glint of something you're supposed to inspect, but it's between two pieces of scenery that you keep getting caught on, and it's just really obnoxious. And meantime, one of the NPCs has found someone who's alive, and they keep calling you. So every time you walk within range, they're like, hey, hey, come check this out. Come over <laughs> here. Look what I found. <laughs> just like, shh, I'm trying to find all the little... <laughs> We all know exactly what I'm talking about. That part of the video game that you're like, no, man, I just got to get through this. The first time you play it, it's mildly interesting. And then every time you try to replay it, you just run through it. Uh, but they find this little girl. And Meredith, I don't know, adopts her, takes her with her. Yep. Even though they know they were trying to burn a witch. It's because there's this stake in the middle of the town. And then everybody is dead in like a blast radius. Right. As if something happened and they all died simultaneously because their eyes are all burned out. 
Right. And so the little girl is like, yeah, they they all came to watch her get burned, and she burned their eyes out because they came to watch. <laughs> and Solomon... Well, we, we cut to them sitting around the campfire. Yeah, because Solomon, they're, they're like, oh, well, we'll pray for you. It's okay, we'll pray for you, for you. And the girl's like, no, I'm just really tired. I think I'd really rather just go to bed. And Solomon's like, well, then why don't you hold my cross? Yeah, please, please wear this. Please wear my cross while you sleep. And the little girl's like, you got me. I'm the witch. <laughs> and yeah, so, so she, she reaches over and pokes Meredith in the palm and yeah, says, it's you we really want. Marks her. And then flies up in the air, turns into a bunch of bats, and they're all like, well, that's probably not going to have repercussions. We should just keep going on as we're going. And it's not long after that that the happy family gets assaulted by the demonic bad guys. Right. Uh, Solomon sees them. He's kind of scouting ahead while they're cooking dinner. And he sees this band of evil people. Or band of bad guys. Like ransacking a, a group of travelers and sticking them in a cage. He's like, well, thing. that's probably not good. I'm going to go back. and Oh, the little boy is with him. Yeah. He tells him, run back and tell your family. We got to get moving. We can't stay here tonight. And yeah. so when the little boy gets back, they've already it's been too attacked. Late. It's too late. And then Solomon. And face is there. And then Solomon shows up. And this is a really interesting scene because these are Puritans. They're pacifists. They are everything is God's will. We don't question what's happening because God must have willed it. And yet, as soon as their family is getting attacked, they're like, Solomon! One of the things I was reading yesterday was saying that Puritans weren't like hard pacifists. Yeah. They were They were a little more soft pacifists, like... Pacifist light? Diet, yeah, they diet were, pacifists? <laughs> they were like anti-violence, yeah. but... They didn't have explicit rules against violence. It was just violence is like 99.999% of the time, not the answer. But like defending yourself was okay. So they weren't full way of the leaf. They were not full way of the leaf. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, literally they see Solomon. They know Solomon is... A dangerous man. Well, full way of the leaf. They know he's totally pacifist. <laughs> right. And they're like, Solomon, kill them all. Kill all of them. Save us. And he's like, I want to. You guys so have been real he, nice. He tries really hard to talk his way out of it. He does. He really, He really does. But they aren't having it. And so everyone is screaming at him to do something, which there isn't that much he could have done to save the little boy. Right. Because if he'd tried to charge the guy, the guy would have slit the kid's The guy would have slit his throat. And he's standing there, and Leatherface, through the demonic influence, makes him slit the kid's throat. Yeah. Like, he couldn't have... There's nothing he could have done to save the little boy, Uh, even if he'd acted faster, which he doesn't act very fast. So he actually, the bad guy, the demon guy, um, slits the little boy's throat, which is probably the saddest part, the most emotionally disturbing, the most emotionally reactive part of the movie. Yeah. And 
Solomon pauses to have a moment and he looks up at the sky and he's like, what do you want from me? I am trying to be a good person and you are putting me in this kind of situation. This sucks. And then he looks back at everybody and he's like, look, I wanted to be a man of peace. And if I do this, I am damning my soul to hell. And it's a price I will gladly pay. Is this all I am to you? Then so be it. If I kill you, I am bound for hell. It is a price I shall gladly pay. And then he murders everybody with like a table knife. I must confess, Mr. Crowthorn, that I was never more at home than I was in battle. <laughs> <laughs> One of the Which recurring meant- like battle elements yeah. that I really like is he's not attached. Well, he's he's kind of given up all like material attachments. Yeah. But that's that is reflected in his fighting style, which is pick up whatever weapon is readily at hand. Yeah. And then, uh, like, don't worry about keeping it. Yeah. And oh, no. so he, he readily throws weapons, um, leaves them, like, impaled in bodies. And then when the fighting's done, he just throws the weapon to the side, which, because possessing the weapon doesn't, de- he doesn't, um, identify with the possession of a weapon no and he's skilled enough that anytime a fight comes up he can get another one from whoever he's fighting against yeah everyone's just yeah. bringing the weapon they're gonna get killed with to the <laughs> <battle>. <laughs> so i said uh-oh their mistake they brought swords to a knife fight right because he <laughs> he really does kill everybody with this knife it's not a table knife that was an exaggeration for humor's sake <laughs> but it's more like a a buck knife on steroids yeah. i guess and so like a he, bowie knife like a bowie knife but the serrated part is more less serrated and more i don't even know what you want to call it it's quite yeah. deep anyway the serrations are quite deep but he uses it too um to kill everybody And then he has a heartfelt moment with Pete Postlethwaite uh, where he tells him, go find my girl, kill everyone you need to kill, and bring her back. And I know if you save her, God will save your soul. Yeah. Uh, This is fine. Whatever you need to do to do this is fine because saving her is the highest good. Right. It's the absolute good you could do. And I'm going to die now but I'm going to leave you with this task. These are my last words on earth. Save my daughter. And Solomon Cain is like, all right, fine. I've got my quest. And then he goes over and he gets his cloak. Yes, he puts on the cloak. And puts on the very dramatic flourish, puts on the cloak. Like, now. The the uniform is complete. The uniform is complete. He gets on a horse and I said, oh, this is the part of the game where you finally get the open world 
navigation mechanics. Because until now, you've been on this linear plot path. Right. And then, and now you've learned all the battle mechanics. And now you have your horse and boom. Ready to go. Ready to go. Follow this trail, hero. Yeah. Definitely the part where he kills everybody with the table knife would be the part where it's like, okay, use this button to parry. If right. you parry at just the right time, you can strike again and strike a critical hit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we've, we're have we ready. We're ready to go to the open world. He's ready to do whatever side quest he needs. He's always going to have that little banner at the top that says, hurry, you need to save Meredith. Where could she be? Oh, wait, a side quest. But he spends quite a bit of time rescuing other people. He's doing all the side quests. Doing all the side quests. And then I figured the the next side quest he goes on, because we kind of get a montage. It's just raining. It's raining for the whole rest of the movie. So just accept that it's going to be yeah, wet. if you're outside, there's rain falling. Yeah. And he goes to a church. And this, I figured, was the, the one side quest. So if we're watching a Twitch game stream of somebody starting the game and going all the way to the end without doing any of the additional side quests... This is the one side quest you cannot skip because it starts the chain of events that lets you have an army when you go to defeat the final boss. So if he had just gone straight home, he'd have just been by himself. Right. He would have had to attack he head off. And but if you go to this abandoned church and you pray at the altar, then an NPC priest will appear. And if you interact with the priest, He'll try to feed you to his followers. And if you follow the chain of side quests. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the training the training side quest that leads you to your army. Yeah. Because he interacts with this priest who really has no purpose. He doesn't give us... I mean, he gives us kind of information. He gives us location information. He tells us a little bit about Malachi, that Malachi is a right, sorcerer. Every side quest gives you a little more depth of history about the situation. Right. And then ultimately, he ends up feeding, trying to feed Solomon to his flock his followers his congregation because they were changed by malachi but instead of being changed just into the like demon henchmen they're zombies they're zombies that are allergic to light to sunlight right they've been transformed so through maybe maybe the like demonic infection process is like hit progressive or maybe it's progressive no because the the first guys that attacked solomon uh kind of joined um he's not malachi he's just the overseer i don't think he ever overlord uh in the credits he's overlord and leatherface leatherface yeah yeah and so Pretty early on, they join Leatherface, and uh, he puts his hands on their head, which I thought it was kind of cool that they have, like, burned in... Handprints. Handprints. Yeah. Uh, and it, like, it makes their eyes black and makes them, like, psychopaths. But what if you try to do that to someone who's not going along with it? Oh. Well, then it's kind of hit and miss. Yeah, maybe they don't accept it. They don't accept it, and it turns them into this zombie thing. I don't know. Maybe. We don't ever really explain it. He ends up getting out, 
And he gets out just in time to real to find out that the priest has been murdered by the bad guys that he met at the very beginning, right after right. he left the monastery. The, the uh the black the now black eyed bandit group. Yeah. And he captures one of them and he kind of puts him over the hole and the hands from the zombie creatures are reaching. And luckily uh, Petey had a locket with paintings of his wife and daughter. And right. so he's using this locket as, have you seen this girl? And so he holds it up for this guy. Have you seen this girl? And the guy's like, yeah, I saw her. She's dead. And <laughs> Solomon's like, don't lie to me. Don't You don't lie to me. If you lie to me, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, no, I really don't want to die. So I'm not lying. She's dead. And he's like, ah, and he's so angry, he kills him. (laughs) And then he just takes it at face value. He's like, this demonic asshole was absolutely telling me the truth. This girl is dead, and I might as well go ahead and die too. And my interpretation on that was, if he was actually telling the truth, and he had actually seen her, he may have just meant something like, oh yeah, I saw her in a situation that... I I know deep down she would never survive for yeah, so she's, she's effectively dead. But oh yeah, like and sure, like biologically she's still alive, but she's she's a dead woman, right? Like dead man walking. <laughs> <laughs> He's dead and he doesn't know it yet. That right. kind of thing. <laughs> and that's exactly uh, that's exactly the kind of nuance that Solomon was looking for, right? Like oh she's captured, she's in a situation that she'll never survive. But she's still alive right now, technically. Okay, that means there's a chance. Yeah. Well, he goes to get drunk. Because that's the logical next step. Because his mission has failed. Yeah. His quest for redemption. He just totally believed this guy. And so he... Come on, Solomon. You aren't that naive. He goes and gets drunk. And then a couple of people that he sailed with back when he used to be a bloodthirsty pirate show up. And they ask him, are you Solomon Cain? And he's like, you better hope I'm not, because I'm just sad. I don't know. I didn't have a finish for that. He's just, <laughs> <laughs> just sad. And they know he's Solomon Cain, but they're like, oh, well, we hoped you would lead us. They try to recruit him. Yeah, we're the, under, we're the literal underground resistance, because we live underground. And... We were hoping you would come with us because, you know, we could use you on our recruitment packets and we would definitely get more people if they knew (laughs) Solomon Cain was with us. And Solomon's like, okay, so first of all, fuck you. Second of all, fuck off. And that's it. He's done. He doesn't want to talk to him about it And then he gets crucified. Yeah, and then he gets crucified. Because some of the demons come and find him in his bed, pull him out, and crucify him. And he's just like, well, you know what? This is a fitting end. Maybe if I deserve this, I deserve this. This doesn't feel blasphemous in the least. This is fine. This is perfectly fine. And then he hears Meredith because, of course, she is not dead. And so she just walks. She doesn't walk. (laughs) (laughs) She rides by. She rides by and screams his name in a cage being pulled by this cart and screams his name. 
And he is so overcome with joy that she's still alive that he rips his own hands off the nails and falls voice first into the mud. It's like, it's like the scene in Man of Steel where they have him in hand. They have uh, Superman in handcuffs and yeah. he's sitting in the interrogation room. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, all right. I'm just going to be honest with Let's you. Let's put our cards on the Let's table. Let's put our cards on the table. And yeah. he just stands up and snaps them, snaps them yeah. with no effort and walks up to the one-way mirror and just talks directly to them, making eye contact. Yeah. This is like that scene. He's like, oh, well, I was, I was only stuck to this thing because I was agreeing yeah. with, yeah, I was just going along with what was happening. Yeah. Um, because I thought it was the right thing to do, but fuck that. Yeah, I got other, <laughs> I got other on, places to I gotta, be. <laughs> I gotta leave. <laughs> I'm late for a very important date. <laughs> so he just picks himself off the cross, <laughs> and then yeah, unties his waist because luckily they didn't stake his feet to it, or he could right. have ended up just doing like a you know when your clock battery <laughs> dies. <laughs> You know when your clock battery dies and the hand just goes whoop? <laughs> just. Right, and then he's just stuck hanging by his feet. Well, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, this was unforeseen. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's so wrong of us, but so funny at the same time. Uh, and then he passes out because it turns out that getting blind ass drunk and then getting nailed to a cross. <laughs> and then falling like 10 feet. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't really keep you in fighting for her. So once again, he gets unconscious and then wakes up with somebody taking care of him. He's pretty lucky that people keep thinking he's worth saving yeah. and not leaving him in the muck. So and they, I'm wondering, how long was he out? Because he wakes up and he takes off the bandage on his left hand and the hole is kind of almost healed. Well, I think this is supposed to be a magic is real thing because that woman is like chanting over him. And oh, that's okay. when he like says, she actually used magic. Yeah. And that's when he says, get your pagan magic away from me. And she says, uh, a lot more powerful than your Christian God. That pagan magic just fucking saved you. So I'm going to need it. You know what never goes out of style? Gratitude. <laughs> and then she just leaves she has giant teeth i was so distracted i don't remember anything else she said because her teeth are like, like every time she talks all you can see are her top teeth they much must be an inch and a half long it's just solid bony plate in the front. <laughs> she's just like and she doesn't open them when she talks it was really 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 distracting i didn't notice at all I know you do. I think you have an oral fixation. I don't have an oral. You wish. You wish. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I watch people's mouths when they talk. And so sometimes I see. Because I don't you look at things. I don't it's look like at your them in sister. the eye. So I she only does see the same thing. The yeah. Okay. So now he gets I'm the recruitment there. speech again. Yeah. So this is the part. So we've set off the chain of events that led to him getting crucified, which in the bar. When they first approach you, if you choose the right series of responses, you just go and join them. You don't have to get crucified. Right. But otherwise, you have to go through the crucifixion. And then then you end up gathering your army. And so now he has an army. And he knows where Meredith is being held because they tell him he's she's at this castle. And he's like, ho, ho, 
Seriously? No fucking way. No fucking way. That's my castle. <laughs> and they say, uh, well, no, that's Lord Kane. I don't know what his actual dad's name is. Uh, the, the, you're not the Lord of that. And he's like, well, no, you're right. I was the second son, but I kind of feel, killed my brother. And then I don't know, is my dad even dead? I haven't gotten any kind of news. And they just all look at each other and they're like, yeah news about that <laughs> which they don't tell him feels like pertinent information but they right. don't. he he makes the statement of like oh i i didn't even know he was still alive and yeah. they all just give each other significant glances so we don't know either right and then he's like well if i know where she is i know how to get in the castle i'm going right now I grew up there. I, I know how to there. sneak into the castle. It's like, I'm good. I'm going to go. I snuck out of the castle every night when I was 16. It's fine. I know exactly where we need to go. I'm going right now. And they want him to wait because they want to build up their numbers. But he's un he's unwilling to wait. He's like, I am in this for one thing, and that is this woman. And we're going to go and get her. And we're going to go and get her right fucking now. And if I have to go alone, I will go alone. And you're just going to have to find somebody else to run your recruitment plan. And so they go with him. They're like, fine, whatever. Even if you get us killed. Yeah, there's like six or eight of them. At least you're leading us. It'll be okay. So he leads them into battle. And this is the part where you get the, the screen that says, you won't be able to save your game after this point. Right. Would you like to proceed? Past and the point of no return. Past the point of no return. Because you're going to the final... It's that thing on the map you just avoid because as long as you don't go near it, you don't trigger the end of the game. Right. And you keep doing side quests forever. Right. It's like, uh, <laughs> like I played Morrowind years and years ago, and it's the reason I failed my first semester of college. <laughs> but <laughs> I got through. I was like level ninety nine. I had like a wiz. I was head of the mages guild. I had a wizard's tower. I had like done tons of side quests and then <laughs> it turns out it was like 15 minutes of gameplay in you can start like the main storyline and i never started the main storyline <laughs> <laughs> so i went in and i just blasted through the main storyline like really fast so i was like is that it oops <laughs> So here he's leveled up. He's gotten all his gear. Yeah, he's got all of his. He's done uh, the loyal side followers quest that gets you followers at the end, and so he goes to the castle. He goes in, and this is the first mini boss fight in the courtyard where he fights Leatherface. Yeah, and because he went through the trouble and got the followers, it's not as hard of a battle as it would have been. Right, he otherwise. didn't have to fight Leatherface and all the. Evil infested guys. Yeah, and this is the spot where you can't actually defeat him. But there's always that internet rumor that it's possible to defeat him in the courtyard. Right. But really what you have to do is approach the wooden door to your left and sneak through it. Because that's what he does. He gets right. knocked he gets down knocked the stairs. He gets knocked down into a... And he's like, you know what, actually? Yeah. I'm going to go inside. You... I can't beat this guy. I can't beat this guy right now. This isn't the venue for this. And so he goes in the wooden door... And he inadvertently saves all these people that are imprisoned in the right, castle. Right, he's just releasing all the people. 
Which, why are they there? Are they eating them? Are they making them bad people? Can he only, does he have a quota every day? Can only make five people bad? So I can't just line them all up and do it. I gotta like, I gotta meter this out. Uh, it's purely so that you have someone to rescue for bonus points later. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And then he goes in and he finds his dad because he opens a door and there's an old man chained to the wall. And he says, come on, old man, like, let's go. And the guy's like, no. I'm not leaving. Even if you unchain me, I'm not going to leave. And then he realizes it's his father. Then we get a heart-to-heart moment where dad doesn't say he's sorry, but at least says he's glad to see him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so the whole kicking out thing, I stand by that. But I'm glad you're back. Glad you're a disobedient son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And And that's probably about as much as he expected. I mean, I think it's a meaningful But then he finds out that he didn't kill his brother. I think it's a meaningful moment for Solomon seeing his his dad again, which his dad is only alive because his life force is tied to the, to the fact that he gambled away his son's soul to the devil to save his other son, who is the devil. It's a very complicated relationship. Solomon finds out that when he pushed his brother off the cliff, his brother did not die. He was just mostly dead. (laughs) <laughs> and instead of getting instead of going to miracle Max, yeah instead of getting billy crystal to come and fix him in a slightly humorous manner he called an evil sorcerer malachi malachi and malachi did indeed bring his brother back from the dead or from the coma mostly dead from being yeah. mostly dead uh, but he came back changed he hid behind the mask and obeyed only the will of the sorcerer No, he cannot be my brother. That creature is your brother. Or what remains. And Malachi has been ruling the castle and using his brother as a henchman ever since. And as long as Solomon Cain's dad is alive, there's no hope for them to be defeated because he's the bondholder. He's the one who made the bargain. Right. So Solomon Cain shoots his dad. Yeah, and I figured this is the part in the video game where you can choose to kill your father or save him. And if you save him, um, Malachi will have twice the amount of health right. than he would if you killed him. So you can choose to kill your dad and make the final boss fight easier, or you can try to save him and the final boss fight is like almost impossible. There was a similar situation in breath of fire 2 yeah and the main character's dad is stuck in this machine and you have to fight the machine but you can also like attack your dad who's like harnessed to the machine and like he's being used to power the machine or whatever if you are extra careful you can damage just the machine and not kill your father but it's hard Mm-hmm. And then uh, you go back to this place where you'd gone really early in the game and you'd found all this like ancient machinery and you need someone who has the right like body power. I don't know what it is, uh, but you can power the machine and turn it into a flying city. But you can only get the flying the like airship in the video game. If you very carefully did not kill your father. Oh, nice. 
So it's not an unknown. That's what I'm saying. Video game trope. Of course it's not. That's why I threw it in there. Because there's always that. I could choose. It's like in Breath of the Wild. You can go around and do all of the divine beasts. Right. And and Ganon's. Each one weakens the final boss. Right. Or you can do none of them and fight him at full strength. Whichever one you want. Yep. So then we get our final kind of showdown. He leaves from killing his dad. He heads up to the throne room, the main dining area, banquet hall, whatever, where Malachi has nested in. He's got mirrors all up and down. He's just hanging out, being evil, doing evil dude shit. He's an evil guy off by himself doing evil things with malice in his heart. Yep. Yeah. And for some reason, he has text on one side of his face. They were going for a creepy vibe. And it ends up looking like he fell asleep on his spell book. (laughs) (laughs) And since he's evil, nobody wants to tell him that he fell asleep on his spell book again. While the ink was wet. (laughs) While the ink was wet. (laughs) And it's like on the side of his face like he's silly putty. It's just, it's not great character design i don't know so solomon ends up fighting overlord marcus his brother whatever and tries to like talk him down leatherface leatherface like we are brothers and leatherface isn't here for it he's like we were brothers until you push me off a cliff disfigured he doesn't have any lines no he never has any lines we do get the we get his mask removed Right, so we can see the disfigurement. We get a very brief shot of what his face looks like. He doesn't have lips. Yeah, he's disfigured, like extremely disfigured. He must have landed on his head. I don't know how that worked. He just fell off a cliff. I don't know. He was in a coma. Look, questions for the ages, I guess. We can just set that aside. Anyway, Solomon ends up killing him. Yeah, he like stabs him, stabs him, lights him on fire, stabs him some more. And then cuts his head off. And then cuts his head off, and that's how he dies. He's like fucking Rasputin. He just wouldn't die. And then he turns around, and Malachi has Meredith, because Meredith was in this throne room. And Malachi is like, oh, I'm glad you came. I wanted you here because the devil needs you, and this is what he sent to get you. And he pulls this curtain, and the entire giant wall like three-story tall wall is a mirror. Yeah. And there's like a Balrog on the other side. Right. And, and then Solomon he, goes, oh, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Malachi uses Meredith's innocent blood yeah. to uh, open, open the, the mirror. portal. Yeah, open the portal. And so this demon thing steps out, which it's sort of anticlimactic because it moves so slow It's not even, he just runs away and lets it chase him. And then he has time to run back and have a conversation with Malachi while it's catching back up with him. So he lures it all the way down, then comes back to chat with Malachi while it's like stomping up behind (laughs) him. (laughs) And then he ends up shooting Malachi. Because we have guns occasionally. And so... Once Malachi is dead, that's it. It ends the spell. It ends the spell. Which, to continue our video game metaphor, 
This is that boss that you can spend time trying to defeat him, but he has so much health. It takes forever. He's not hard. He just takes forever because he has so much freaking health. And it's hard. He's so armored, you can't do a ton of damage. Or you can just go directly and kill Malachi, and it will defeat both of them. And if you kill Malachi early enough, he won't kill Meredith. And you get to save Meredith, and you have a different cutscene at the end. And the evil flows out of Solomon. It flows out of everybody and into the portal. And that's it. He falls dead to the ground. And Meredith runs over and is like, Oh, Solomon, thank you for saving me. And he wakes up and he's like, You're welcome. And then we get a little bit of wrap up where he's standing next to the grave of his father and his brother, which he is bothered to bury. And he's sort of staring off into the distance and talking about how he's found his purpose, which is he can indulge his desire for violence as long as he's killing bad guys. Yeah. It's fine. And this was intended to be a trilogy. What? This was intended to be the first wow. installment in a trilogy. And it didn't do well, so it didn't end up being a trilogy, but it's sort of standalone on its own. I don't think it makes a difference. I don't think you would know it was intended to have a sequel. You know how sometimes they have a heavy-handed setup? Yeah. This yeah, isn't it, it one didn't, of those. It didn't really leave a cliffhanger or anything. No, it doesn't. Just that he's going off to go do better, do more unforeseen, more acts in the name of goodness and innocence and bloodshed. This wasn't a deep movie. It didn't give us a lot of deep things to talk about. I assume you could probably find a lot of metaphorical and moral lessons in this if you really delved, but I don't think this is the fertilist ground for those sorts of discussions. It's kind of like Love Bites. It was fun for fun's sake. It was entertaining. It thought it was more than just entertaining, which is probably part of the problem. It's... It's a pretty standard, like, sword and sorcery movie, adventure story. And maybe they were hoping there was more of a fan following from the comics, which I guess this would be one of the earlier comic book movies, comic book superhero movies. It was 2009. Oh. Oh, I didn't realize it was that recent. Yeah. Well, remember when we were watching it with the CG, you were like, oh, that's not bad for 2009. Okay. I've forgotten it was that recent. It's right at the beginning, right at the start. I mean, what, Iron Man came out 2008? Yeah. And so we're right at the beginning of like, oh, other people have made these comic book things, and they've really done well. That's probably just where like fans of comic books come and watch that shit. It's fine. You just throw that stuff up on the screen. People come and watch it. It's going to be great. Yeah, print your own money. Print your own money. And they put it out. And it turns out there's more to it than that. Right. <laughs> and a video, a superhero who came out in the 1920s and doesn't have a currently running series isn't as big of a draw as some of the more well-known superheroes. Who have active comic books re- being written. And who have actual powers and not just... Good with a sword. Good with a... Really, really good with a sword. <laughs> really good with two swords. <laughs> oh, <the> same. <laughs> and axes and sometimes knives. 
And this one notable time, I think he killed somebody with, he just killed some everybody with anything, anything old, any old thing that was lying around. <laughs> really. And he says that to the Puritan guy, because the Puritan guy is like, oh, you know. I fought in the war. I fought in the war, and it was hard. It, it's a hard thing killing a man, isn't it? And he's like, you know what? I was never more at home than I was in battle, and I always found killing easy. Yeah. He's like, I don't. Nope. Nope. I, 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 that was fine. I don't sympathize. It's a lot harder to try to not kill people than it is to kill people. And they're all like, oh. <laughs> oh, Solomon. <laughs> oh, would you like another biscuit? <laughs> Just... <laughs> it was a, yeah, it was a heavy thing to drop on them. Right. right the beginning. He, well, we, we cut away at that point, but he may have followed it up with like a little bit of change of topic, like, JK. Did you see that ludicrous display last night? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good. It was good. Again, I stand by my, why James? James Purefoy. James Purefoy. Why James Purefoy? Why? This is 2009. You could, physically, you could tell he prepared for the role. Oh, I'm not saying he didn't. He he looked good. No matter how long he was supposedly sick and in bed and unable to function, he was hella ripped every time he got up. Yeah. I just, he is so good at so many other things. I don't think he's a main character actor. Like some actors are just great in the supporting roles or in the secondary character roles. But they don't shine as a main character. Right. And I don't think he does. I think he does. I mean, he does okay. He does okay. But I would love to see what this character was like in the hands of somebody. Maybe it was the wig. (laughs) I definitely think the wig was biasing (laughs) me. It was a bad wig. It wasn't as... It wasn't... um, I think they could have worked his style a little bit to be. It wasn't smoke signals bad, but it was bad. Right. Yeah. They could have worked his style. We were in our shaggy, long-haired, scraggly, min-hair phase of movies. This is right around when Being Human was out, too, and that one of the main characters in that, who actually went on to be in The Hobbit. He had the the scraggly man hair. Mitchell. And I I don't know why. Why? It's not attractive. And, yeah, it's just hard to see him. I don't know. I just want my action heroes to be handsome. That's, that's it. I mean, that's it. I just want my action heroes to be handsome. More pretty. Or or if you're rugged, you're not like, ugh. <laughs> 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 ugh rugged. The, the mm, I don't know. If I was driving along the road and you were walking along the side of the road, I would switch lanes to make sure I wasn't too close to you when I passed. Because <laughs> he looks a little, he's, he's Which, not. He has the intimidating vibe. I'm down. trying to figure out the way to say this because I don't think he's a bad actor and I don't think he's bad looking. I just don't know that he's heroic looking to me. To me personally. Yeah. Which. Not to, like, <laughs> bomb the movie, but uh, a large portion of <laughs> potential viewers agreed by not seeing the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Oh yeah, it doesn't have great reviews anywhere. I don't know. Rewatch for this isn't. It's not super high. I don't think I've ever. I would ever be like. Hmm. I want to watch that again. I think I watched it. I enjoyed it. I was entertained by it. I don't think there was anything about it that would draw me back to it again. I think they were trying. Yeah, it, it felt like. It felt like they were trying to go for something deeper and more nuanced, but. And maybe the comic books and other adaptations have that depth, but whatever compromises they may or may not have made adapting this to a film, they lost a. The depth that would have drawn me back into the movie was not there. I also think this is a situation where maybe because we were planning on it being a trilogy, we sacrificed some pacing for the origin story. Yeah. So they were creating an origin story with the idea of each future installment getting more and more action-based. And deeper mythology. Yeah, and in the end, it just it didn't work because the origin story itself wasn't compelling. Yeah. That definitely could be it. I think and, that And happens. I think I think for me it's too black and white. Well, yeah. I mean, that's there's no gray in this at all. And of course, we love love a gray villain. Right. Um often to the point where it seems a little psychotic, we like gray villains. Shh. <laughs> like <laughs> we finally watched Watchmen. Matt finally made me watch Watchmen. And I could not get over how much I loved Rorschach. He's not a gray villain. He's a gray hero, which is yeah. probably why I liked him even better. But he's not gray, which is the whole the thing about him is he's extremely dedicated to what he believes is right. Okay, so I heard um, a, a interesting distinction um, that is useful to make in some situations about separating moral codes from purity codes. Mm. And morally, Rorschach was like the most idealistic, like chaotic good guy. Yeah. But he did not ascribe to any of the purity codes. social and purity codes of like how you live in the world. Yeah. And so he comes off as uh, psychopathic because he's literally not a member of society. Right. Like he, he does not operate in a way that he could function as a regular member of society, but he is a force for good. Yeah. An unstoppable force for good. And I think that's why you liked him because there's that duality, but you don't have to say, oh, but he's kind of a bad guy. No. It's like, no, he's full good guy that doesn't fit into society. Yeah. And so there's a grayness there because he's violating purity codes. Mm. Um, so, like, culturally, he's an outcast, but morally, he's all in. Yeah. I can see that. Definitely, I like. 
And I think because we didn't see that level of, it was very two dimensional. The motivations, yes. the in Solomon Kane, the characters, everything is extremely two dimensional. I don't want to go to hell, and so I do this thing, and then I find that this thing is unsustainable. So I find this other way to not go to hell. So I'm going to do that thing. Someone, uh, one of the reviews I read. Uh, let's see if I still have it pulled up. Here. The summary on IMDb for this one is a ruthless mercenary renounces violence after learning his soul is bound for hell. When a young girl is kidnapped and her family slain by a sorcerer's murderous cult, he is forced to fight and seek his redemption slaying evil. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. I read the summary for our last movie and it was so wildly off. <laughs> I feel like maybe this is something we need to include. Did IMDb get it right? It's pretty close. I mean, if you had to sum it up, yeah, you're missing some of the way that they're all connected, but that's fine. I mean, you got a paragraph. Yeah. But, um, okay, so one, one of the things I read when I was kind of looking up uh, stuff about this movie was that his, his whole strategy for not going to hell is like the Constantine strategy of not going to hell <laughs> by being like oh shit like i'm uh yeah i'm going to hell whatever um okay how about this i'm going to go full on demon hunter yeah and i'm going to kill demons to whatever extent i need to to go to heaven yeah and that's very much solomon kane's yeah Motive. Yeah, like like I said, I want to be I want to get out of going to hell this way, but that didn't work. Which I never agree with someone else being able to bargain away your soul. Right. So yes, he was probably bound for hell anyway because he was a murderous, lecherous, greedy asshole. But I don't think your dad gets to bargain your soul away. Right. So this is part of what I was looking up last night and it was kind of ambiguous uh, from other people's interpretations about whether his father's bargain with Malachi included giving Solomon's soul to the devil. It could have been something as but simple was, as the wording in the bargain said, my son, I will give you my son. Right. And, and that, I think my interpretation is it was Solomon's lifestyle, the uh, sinful choices that he made, um, and that's what kind of got him into hot water with the devil. Well, I'm going off of when he speaks to the devil's reaper, and the devil says... A deal was made. A deal was made. Right, like a deal... Of like you knew, you knew what you were doing. Well, he says according to our deal, and Solomon right, says, yeah, "I never made a deal." Ambiguous. And he goes, "Well, a deal was made, whether you're aware, of whether it or you not. were aware of it or not." It's like when you get an email in your inbox that you totally didn't sign up for. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, why do you want to stop getting these?" Well, because I never asked for them. Well, somebody must have asked for them, or we wouldn't be sending them to you. Which is a lie. They just send you shit. 
That's a bad metaphor, but it stands. <laughs> <laughs> yes, spam is the devil's work. <laughs> spam is the devil's work. <laughs> the people that hide their unsubscribe button or the it's going to take us 3 full weeks to be able to un to take you off our list. <laughs> Fuck you, no it doesn't. Yeah, please allow six months for the yeah. subscription to process. <laughs> I'm sorry, but this was a lifetime bargain. You will be receiving these emails in perpetuity. <laughs> <laughs> Daily cat facts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, this feels like a good place to wrap it up. <laughs> uh, we still have an Instagram. Today's one of the first days in a long time. I didn't post anything, but February is... I feel like everybody has that month in the year and every time you can like feel that month coming because it is just balls to the wall all month long. And that is February for our family. So we will just be busy and erratic and doing our best. Hello. I'm doing my best all of February. Hooray. But we're here. We're going to keep putting stuff out. We haven't gone anywhere. Um, we're just going to get it together and then we'll get through it and then we'll get back to our schedule and everything will be okay. And we will, if you want to find out more about that, go to Instagram. Um, I'm also going to be doing more on the Patreon. I want to start sharing some of the perks of the Patreon tiers for everybody, uh, which I'll probably do on Instagram, but my goal is to be better at social media. Uh, and Patreon's part of that because, like I keep saying, I would really love to keep this show ad-free, um, but I'd also love to be able to do more for you guys. So it's a kind of a delicate balance. But the more support we can get without the ads, the longer we can go without putting ads in. Right, as we try to scale things up yeah. with what we're doing with the podcast, exactly. the more resources that consumes. Yeah, the more shows we could produce, the more we can put out, all that kind of stuff. Um, so feel free to go over and check out the Patreon. There's some affordable tiers. Even though Patreon told me it doesn't recommend it, I still have a dollar tier. Um, there's a dollar tier. There's a $3 tier on up to, I can't even remember. I'll, I'll post them. And we have a website that has all of our links on it and our Instagram on it <laughs> because I am a web developer. <laughs> Not at all. You think I know how to you do websites, but I don't know how to do social media? Think again. I don't know how to do both of them. <laughs> <laughs> but there's links. There's If you want to share it for a particular platform, all the links to where you can listen on most platforms are on our website. And if you're using a podcast listening app that allows you to rate or subscribe or review, please go ahead and do. If you have a moment, free time, it just gets our name out there. Works tell a the friend. Algorithm. Works the other algorithm. Tell a friend. Tell three friends. Uh, share the love. You know anybody who likes fantasy stuff? Send a, send them our way. The more community we build, the better we're going to get. Because the better our recommendations are going to get, the better our selections are going to get. Everything just gets better. The more community we have. So I think that's a good place to leave it. So remember, friends, sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful, too. So be who you are and love what you love. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye. Bye.